You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Dr. David Feld is the author of Taiwan's Green Parties. He's here to talk about his book, which he started working on in 2012. Topics covered in this episode include the Green Party concept and the impact that Taiwan's Green Parties have had on Taiwan's other political parties and social movements. Hear about some of Dr. Feld's interesting research findings and how he was personally impacted by this subject matter. He's also the director of the SOAS Center of Taiwan Studies at the University of London, and we'll have him on another episode to talk about the SOAS Center of Taiwan Studies. Welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be uh, on Talking Taiwan. So, yeah, you have a book out called uh, Taiwan's Green Parties, and I'd like to talk to you about that today. Uh, I was wondering, how did you first get interested in Taiwan's politics and political parties? Well, I was a, a student studying Chinese in Taiwan in 1989 to, uh, to 90. Um, and that's what really kind of got me interested in Taiwan's civil society and, uh, and party politics, because that year was quite an exciting time. It was the Wild Lilies um, student movement, uh, and it was the I think we could call it the first semi-democratic election in uh, in Taiwan, where there really was party um, uh, competition. Right. So that got me interested. And then after I finished university, then I came back to Taiwan. And I lived in Taiwan for most of the 1990s, when uh, there were a lot of elections. Um, and for me, I found it really exciting looking at... Um, political communication that was much more lively than what I was used to in the in the UK. So um, uh, that was what really kind of aroused my, my interest. And I ended up, um, when I came back to uh, the UK in 1999, um, for my PhD, I was looking at Taiwan's uh, party politics. Um, that was the focus of my, my PhD and the, the book that came out of the, uh, the PhD, which was called Party Politics in, in Taiwan. Wonderful. So you've uh, written a book about Taiwan's Green Parties, uh, but before we get into all that, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the Green Party concept, because a lot of people may not know um, what that is. Can you talk about what is the concept and where it comes from? Yeah, well, I suppose it's something that might be more familiar to kind of European listeners, because we're so used to Green Parties uh, here, and they're pretty influential, particularly on continental um, uh, Europe. The Green Parties first emerge in, uh, in the UK, New Zealand, and a number of European countries in the 1970s, and they start expanding the late 70s into the, uh, the 1980s. Um, and they don't really get going in North America until probably the mid um, uh, 1980s. So Green Party is actually quite quite different. Um, um, they tend to have a much clearer focus on uh, environmental issues, putting the environment before um, uh, other parties, uh, other kind of uh, issues. Um, and they, I would say, as a, as a party type, they're quite distinct from mainstream political parties. So they tend to be members of the Global Greens, uh, network of political parties. Uh, they have a clear kind of um, global greens charter, uh, and that's something that kind of brings the international green parties uh, together. So I focus on things like 
uh, ecological wisdom, social justice, grassroots democracy, non-violence, sustainability, respect for diversity. Um, so that means that while um, there's a lot of different types of, let's say, socialist parties or conservative parties, um, to a large extent, Green parties internationally look very, very uh, similar. And that's one of the reasons why they, uh, they get on so well when they meet in kind of uh, international uh, settings. So you could, if you um, agree party, you can kind of guarantee that it's going to be opposed to nuclear energy, that it's going to be supportive of same-sex marriage, uh, opposed the death penalty. So um, it's quite a, um, a clear kind of party badge. It's really interesting, especially I think for people who are not that familiar with political science to know that there's a concept like this that works globally and that connects people that are in this sort of party mindset. How many like green parties would you say there are around the world then? Um, there's something like uh, there's over 100 green parties um, uh, in the uh, in the world, um, and they tend to be uh, there's a global greens network, and then for each continent they have their continent um, networks. Uh, so for example, we have a uh, the first continental network was the European Greens. There's a um, there's also an Asia-Pacific Greens um, uh, network. Um, and uh, they meet every, I think something like every four years for a big uh, um, uh, kind of congress in the same way that, let's say, Liberal International does. But um, the engagement is much more meaningful. So this concept originated in Europe then? I think the very first Green Party, were, I think, was in New Zealand. Um, uh, and I think the second one was in um, England, um, and then it kind of really. I think I would say that the, the the kind of the early base of the Green Party's movement was Europe, uh, but there's another kind of um, set of parties emerging in New Zealand and uh, Australia. So, for example, when the Green Party in Taiwan is established, within the first uh, year, it's it's already making connections with both the. Um, European Green Parties, but also uh, the Australian uh, Green Party. And when was the Green Party in Taiwan established? So the Green Party is established in January of 1996. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, it's a, a very exciting time. If we think about Taiwan's history, that's when Taiwan has its first direct presidential election. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also when Taiwan has the cross-strait missile crisis. Uh, of 1995, 1996. Um, and it was, of course, a time that I was living in Taiwan. Um, so it's, a, it's kind of quite a special um, time. My son was born, uh, let's see, wow. in, um, um, in October um, 1995. So it's around that kind of uh, uh, exciting kind of time. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's very interesting and, you know, important to make that distinction because in Taiwan, we also talk about green leading, blue leading political ideologies. This is not to be confused with that. Um, and I'm wondering, why did you decide to write a book about Taiwan's green parties versus the other political parties in Taiwan? Yeah, um, well, I'd already written a book um, in 2005 um, called Party Politics in Taiwan, which basically okay. looked at the evolution of the main political parties, oh, the, okay. the Kuomintang, uh, the um, Democratic Progressive Party, and the New Party. So they were the big parties the first 
um, 10 years or so of Taiwan's uh, democracy. Um, and, okay, so we have two mainstream parties there. We have what, um, uh, we have the new party. And the new party um, was an interesting case for me because um, it often did stuff that didn't make sense. Uh, right. It often did stuff that seemed to me like political suicide. Um, like what? Um, very hardcore Chinese nationalist um, uh, messages and, and events and, um, and discourse. Um, at the time I was doing my fieldwork in Gaoshu, and that kind of discourse didn't make sense. It just is going to um, uh, lose you um, uh, votes. So that kind of got me interested in small parties. Um, why do parties behave differently? Some parties behave differently to mainstream uh, parties. So um, after I finished that book, um, I ended up writing a couple of pieces about small parties. Uh, and, and I published a piece, I think, in also in 2005 or 2006 on small parties in Taiwan. I had a couple of very, very short um, paragraphs, just a few sentences about the Taiwan Green Party. Um, so I had the interest in small parties, but that wasn't really... I couldn't have imagined that I would spend eight years doing research on that kind of party. So what really changed things was uh, one of my students, uh, just after she graduated from my university, uh, actually just a couple of months after she submitted her dissertation, she went to stand for election for the Green Party in January of 2012. Um, and I think if you know Taiwanese politics, you know that to win an election, takes a lot of money and um, a long, a lot of preparation. So to stand with only a couple of months preparation, I thought was really fascinating. Uh, and then she went on to be the uh, co-convener of the Green Party um, after that failed uh, election. And, um, and then she asked if I would be interested in doing some kind of uh, research on the party. Um, I thought it might be interesting, maybe I was between... Uh, projects. So um, in December of 2012, we ran some focus groups uh, where we got Green Party activists to just to talk about their experiences. Um, and it was such an interesting couple of sessions, um, so different from the mainstream party politicians I was used to, who were so focused on winning elections and not so concerned about idealism and uh, policy. Um, it was, um, I was really shocked by how much passion and anger was involved in these focus groups. Um, there was, uh, and, and I think that's something that, that comes out a lot in the book, arguments. Um, um, uh, often um, Green Party politicians, and I think this applies to other countries as well, are not always very good at working together. And that really came uh, came through in those first uh, focus groups. So um, I started doing this research with a Taiwanese partner, and then we worked together for a number of years. We published a few things. Um, but I always felt that there was enough for a book. Uh, but it took me a long time to actually um, put the whole thing um, together. In, in the end, uh, I wrote the book as a single-authored book. But... Um, um, it was really great working with a, a Taiwanese partner, and we're now working together on the Chinese version oh, of the um, uh, of the uh, of the book. But I guess one further thing I would say is that when we're studying Taiwan, 
one of our big challenges is how do we make Taiwan interesting to an audience or readership that's not focused on Taiwan? Yes. And um, as a political scientist, what I try and do then is to um, frame Taiwan through the lens of political science theories and frameworks. So in this case, what I'm doing is engaging with the uh, ideas of small political parties and particularly green parties. Uh, and that means that hopefully I can make this uh, topic of Taiwan interesting to people who are interested in green parties because we have over 100 green parties in the world. Yes. Um, so one of the things I'm hoping to do is to um, uh, engage with scholars, but also activists who work on uh, green parties um, in, in Europe and uh, in, in America to kind of make Taiwan interesting uh, to these kind of uh, people. So, for example, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a, I ran a session about writing books on green parties. Mm -hmm. We had um, uh, speakers who'd written books on Canadian green parties, German green party, and the Japanese green party. And we came together to kind of share our um, uh, experiences. But I think this is really, this is something that I think, um, I, I guess you probably have to face this as well. Um, there's a limited audience to those that are purely interested in Taiwan. So um, how do we kind of sell Taiwan? And this is uh, one of the ways that I try to do this. Right. That's Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, I do think about that a lot. Of It's like, um, how do you appeal to them? Why would somebody be interested um, in the topics that we cover in this podcast? What would you say are the main accomplishments of the Taiwan Green Party and what was its impact? Yes. Um, well, I think this is a really interesting question because often when we look at political parties, the first thing we do is to look at its uh, electoral success and failure. Um, and in the book, I do uh, one of the key things that I try and do in the book is to try to explain um, why the party did well and why the party didn't do so well. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and here I think the party is quite interesting if we think comparatively. For example, it, ta it takes the uh, England and Wales Green Party something like almost 40 years to get into the UK Parliament. Wow. While the Green Party in Taiwan gets into Taiwan's National Assembly after less than two months of existence. Oh, um, wow. So that, uh, if we think about the Green Party in this respect, mm -hmm. then it's really quite successful. Um, but it doesn't really build on that, that success. But I think in other ways we can see um, um, uh, impact. For example, in many ways, the Green Party is often ahead of its time in Taiwan. For example, um, it's, um, uh, it plays a key role in Taiwan's anti-nuclear movement, which I think is a really exciting uh, movement. But again, particularly if we compare it to the anti-nuclear movement in the UK, which is much mm -hmm. more um, uh, quiet. Um, the fact that we had a very, very pro-nuclear uh, ruling party in, in Taiwan, that it was able to uh, block uh, the fourth nuclear uh, power station. Uh, I think it's also been quite important when it comes to gender. Um, so, for example, it's the first party in Taiwan to have a female uh, leader. Uh, and also it's the first party to have a, um, a male-female co-convener uh, leadership uh, uh, structure. It's also the first party to uh, advocate same-sex marriage, which I think is one of the things that um, um, I think is very, very important 
um, for Taiwan's soft power. Um, so it, it's proposing same-sex marriage well before any of the mainstream uh, parties. And it's also the first party to um, nominate openly gay candidates um, as early as, let me see, um, I think it's in 2010. Um, and in some elections, um, a pretty significant proportion of their candidates um, are openly LGBT uh, candidates. Um, it's often willing to touch issues that other parties aren't willing to touch. For example, opposition to death penalty is um, uh, uh, calling for um, euthanasia for terminally ill patients or um, medicinal use of uh, marijuana. These are a couple of things that were were raised in the most recent um, national election. So I think that's something really important, um, raising issues that uh, are quite alternative uh, issues. And, um, uh, and I think that has had a long-term uh, impact beyond its uh, electoral performance. And at, at times, I think the mainstream parties, particularly the DUP, has been quite uh, worried about the rise of the Green Party. So I think that's one of the reasons why... Uh, the DUP has often uh, poached um, figures from the Green Party. So, for example, the student who uh, led the Green Party then went on to get poached by the DPP in oh, uh, 2016. Um, and, uh, and in this way, uh, often the Green Party is able to actually influence the mainstream parties, both through its threat in terms mm -hmm. of elections but also in terms of the way that often its um, key figures are stolen by right. the DUP. And it's been quite a, a um, it's been a constant uh, challenge uh, for the party. Yeah, that's very interesting because it seems like it's had quite a bit of social impact. But yeah, in terms of its electoral performance, um, you don't hear so much about it. Or if you wanted to look at it in terms of the electoral performance, I don't think that you would say it was so stellar, right? Yeah, I would say it's been um, mixed. Um, yeah. I mean, if we think about the in the local elections, it is it has been winning seats since uh, 2014 um, at the city or county council uh, level. Um, and I think that's often a, a route into national office, winning first at the local level and then at the, the national level. But and even at the national level for the last two elections, uh, it's won about 2.5% of the vote. But that's, again, a significant number uh, of, um, uh, of votes. I'm trying to think maybe it was something like a quarter of a million um, uh, votes, but still not quite enough to um, uh, enter Parliament. I mean, if Taiwan had a, a pure proportional system, uh, they, would have, um, um, uh, they would have got in. Um, and, and again, one of the things I try and argue in the book is that that kind of failure to enter Parliament or failure to do better was never inevitable. So I often, um, one of the things I'm looking at is uh, why didn't the party do uh, better? What kind of mistakes did the, uh, the party um, uh, make? Mm -hmm. I think this is an important um, topic because, um, uh, I mean, Taiwan's democracy is um, a real success story, but it could be better. Um, um, I think we can see that voters would like to see a bit more diversity. They're often quite, a, quite alienated by mainstream, uh, the two mainstream uh, parties. So I think having a real alternative party in Taiwan's parliament uh, would be a, a, a positive uh, step. And it's just a matter of who will be that real 
um, uh, alternative? Yeah, that's a really huge question because it's kind of unclear what's the future for the Kuomintang right now. And the DPP is, you know, the ruling party now. So the question is, what's going to be the opposition to the DPP? Yeah, I mean, that's, um, um, if we kind of go back to when the party is first uh, established, um, essentially, it's the first alternative party uh, on the scene back in 1990. Um, uh, six, mm-hmm. uh, because it, we only basically have the, the two mainstream parties plus the uh, the new um, uh, new party. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the challenges that it has often faced is uh, rival small parties. Um, and um, if we think about, let's say, the most uh, the last few elections, that market for who is going to be the alternative party has become much more competitive. Yeah. Um, and I think that has been a, um, a challenge. But um, I think there are still question marks on those alternative parties that we have in the Taiwan um, uh, party system. So uh, I think there's still a potential there, but whether or not it will fulfill that potential is another matter. Right. Um, and in your book, you also talk about some splinter green parties like the Trees Party and the GPT Social Democracy Alliance. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yes. Um, so I think, I mean, that is one of the reasons, probably the main reason why I use the plural in the book's right. uh, title, why it's called uh, Taiwan's um, uh, Green Party. It's not just the the, the Green Party right. um, uh, Taiwan. Um, so the Green Party that we know today isn't the first Green Party. There was a, a party established um, a year earlier. Um, and... Um, the model for that party was quite different. And that was uh, one of the surprises of, of my research, that uh, nobody told me about this party. It was only through doing research uh, from old newspapers that I discovered about this party that was a stillborn party. It was established in 1995, but it never it had a founding ceremony. It got TV attention, but it um, never formally registered. And then... Uh, just uh, disappeared. So that was the first Green Party. Oh, wow. Um, and the Trees Party that you mentioned um, was established in 2014 uh, by um, defectors from the original um, uh, uh, Green Party. Hmm. Um, and that was one of the things I thought was quite interesting, trying to explain uh, why the party split. Um, and I think a lot of it is to do with how a political party deals with different opinions and diversity. Um, and um, that was, I think, one of the failures of the party, that it wasn't able to hold uh, together. Um, and um, the Trees Party was created, and that, I think, probably undermined the overall strength of environmental politics uh, in Taiwan, that sense of uh, division. So I think that was a bit of a, um, a, a tragedy uh, there. And I think that one of the things I was always hoping for was that they would be able to kind of come back together um, uh, in the end. But, um, yes, remarriage is, is more difficult than, than divorce. <laughs> right. But, again, the, the, that uh, party split, again, enabled me to kind of engage with some of the, the kind of arguments about why parties split, why parties um, uh, form. Often it's not down to ideological differences, but it's more clashes of personality. Um, and uh, that was one of the things that I think definitely comes out um, uh, in the book, the, those kind of arguments and how they deal with arguments. 
And the other party that um, uh, we think about is the uh, Green Party Social Democratic Alliance, which was the party name for that 2016 um, uh, election. It was one of the times when the party really should have made a breakthrough, um, but in the end it didn't. Um, and there I look at the attempt to merge the two parties and the, um, the kind of compromise that was established. But I think a lot of the, the problems with that campaign were about the way that the two political parties were working together or not working together um, um, uh, so well. So again, how you kind of engage with potential allies, I think is a really important factor in party success and failure. So 2016 was a case a really great um, or a lost opportunity or missed opportunity for the uh, the Greens. They were the ones that really should have got in in 2016. But it was, um, uh, I think they mishandled a number of elements of that, uh, of that campaign. So uh, what would you say was the most surprising or interesting finding that you came across in your research about Taiwan's Green Parties? I would say there was, there was, there was uh, a number of things. Um, First, from a kind of personal perspective, um, I never thought I would get so emotionally involved in a research project. Um, as a political scientist, we tend to try and stay kind of back, uh, not get too um, involved. But I found that more difficult with this kind of subject uh, matter, maybe because my inclination is to vote green in, uh, in my own country, in, in, the, uh, in, um, in the UK. But I think it may also to do, be to do with the kind of people that I was working with, that kind of, uh, I think I was affected by the uh, idealism. So I became very passionate about the, uh, the subject. In the acknowledgements, I talk about how I would often, uh, my wife told me how I would often speak about the, uh, the Green Party in my sleep in the writing process of the, uh, oh, of the wow. book. And that never happened to me for my, for my other um, uh, books. And in the final chapter of the book, um, I have a section where I talk about recommendations. In other words, some lessons that I've, I think come out of the, um, the research of those first 24 years of the party's history and how the party could uh, potentially do better. And again, that's something that I, the idea of coming up with practical answers was something that I never really did in my, in, in my earlier um, work. So um, it'll be interesting to see how the book is received um, uh, in Taiwan. Um, will those kind of ideas actually be uh, be feasible? So that's the first thing. Um, I think the second thing that was surprising that I wasn't expecting was how important the uh, green diplomacy was. Um, in other words, that Taiwan can uh, take part in this global network of green parties. Um, so it means we often think about that Taiwan is very excluded internationally. But when it comes to the Green Party's network, it can join, uh, it's, in a way, it's ahead of China because China is not a member of um, uh, global um, uh, Greens. Uh, so I think this is a real uh, opportunity for Taiwan to be visible on the international stage. So uh, one of the things I found in my interviews was just how important that international engagement was for my interviewees. Often that was more meaningful than... Uh, their electoral experience, that experience of helping create an Asia-Pacific uh, Greens network, being a founding member of uh, global uh, Greens. Uh, and I think we can see the, that potential in the figure of Katie Yen, 
who was um, started to get involved in the Green Party in um, in 2010 when Taiwan held the uh, the it was uh, the Asia Pacific Greens Congress in Taipei, um, and Kelly then went on to be the convener of the Asia Pacific Greens, uh, and then um, recent um, then she became the um, convener of Global Greens. So a Taiwanese activist could go on to be the head of actually a global uh, organization, and she only stepped down from the, uh, the from being the convener of the Global Greens network. Uh, I think late uh, last year. So I think that's a really special um, um, uh, feature of the um, uh, the Global Greens. This kind of green um, uh, diplomacy. Another surprise that I had was. Uh, also to do with green diplomacy, was the role of the uh, England and Wales Green Party in the early years of Taiwan's Green Party. So when the um, uh, the party was established in January 1996, as I mentioned, it was when we had that missile crisis, 95, 96, um, and the, um, uh, the European Greens discovered, I think because of a BBC report about the Taiwan Greens, and planned to send to people to Taiwan to offer support uh, for that first campaign. Um, one of them decided not to go in the end because it was felt it was too dangerous. Um, but the uh, one um, one of the Green Party leaders from England and Wales went to Taiwan, Penny Kemp, and and she helped. And she was very influential on those early Green Party uh, figures, talking to them about what it means to be a international um, uh, Green. Uh, and she also helped set up some of those early connections with European um, uh, Green parties. So for me, one of the most meaningful elements of this project was helping to set up, to reconnect those party founders with this um, uh, England and Wales Green Party leader just before she passed away um, um, uh, this, uh, this summer. So, so, um, so that was something really quite special um, and surprising for me. I wasn't expecting that importance of green uh, diplomacy. Um, and maybe lastly, I would add this, this fact about uh, the fact that failure was never inevitable, that the party could have done better if they'd adopted slightly different um, uh, strategies. Um, and that's something that I come uh, back to again and again um, in the various um, uh, chapters. Well, thank you for that. It's really fascinating to see all those different connections. What's the current status of the Green Party in Taiwan? Yes. Um, so what tends to happen in Taiwan for the Green Party is that after it fails to get into parliament, uh, there's often um, a, be a lot of argument and recrimination about uh, who was at fault. Um, this time it was a little bit different. Um, the party seems to, uh, uh, one of the um, controversial figures in the party um, uh, leaves after the 2020 election, but most people stay. Um, and um, I finished the book on a cautiously optimistic uh, note. So I was writing, um, I finished writing the book in the s late summer of 2020. And it looked like the party was moving in the right direction at, at that point. It still has a couple of um, three local councillors in um, in Shintu city and county, um, and it's starting to rebuild some of the uh, bridges that it broke 
in the um, previous uh, years. Um, so in the period between 2017 and 2020, the party tried to put more focus on winning elections and um, lost a lot of its alliances with civil society groups. Um, so what the party has been trying to do since 2020 is to kind of rebuild those alliances, for example, with the anti-nuclear movement, um, with uh, certain environmental um, groups and, and other protest uh, groups. And I think that was a, uh, a good uh, decision to, um, um, uh, to make. So I think the overall environment is quite um, welcoming for an alternative party. Um, the ruling party is not particularly popular, uh, even though it's, it's done very well when it comes to uh, COVID compared to the US or, uh, or most European countries. Uh, the main opposition party looks pretty soulless um, uh, to me, and it doesn't seem to have tried to learn any lessons of defeat from 2016 or 2020. And then that leaves us with the, the third largest party, which again, doesn't really have any values as far as I can see. I mean, I mean the uh, Coenters, uh, Taiwan People's Party. It's got his charisma, but what is its kind of core values? And I think what Green Parties have internationally uh, is um, a clear brand. Um, and I think that's something that the, uh, the Green Party Taiwan uh, should focus on. Uh, that alternative nature, that focus on talking about issues that others uh, don't dare to, uh, to touch, um, having that international um, uh, connection. So, um, but I think the big test will come in the next round of local elections. Can the party actually put together a, uh, a strong set of candidates for 2022? Um, uh, there's still time to, uh, to do that, um, but... Um, it really needs to kind of get um, uh, get going because, as I mentioned earlier, it's quite a competitive party system. There are other potential uh, alternative uh, parties. So um, that's the, the big uh, question mark. And I think if you run a strong local campaign, that puts you in a strong position for the next round of uh, national elections. So um, uh, I think we'll have to wait and see uh, there. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about the book that um, we haven't covered so far? Maybe the one thing that I would add is that um, because the book recovers um, uh, Taiwan from uh, the mid-1990s through to the uh, middle of 2020, to a certain extent what I'm trying to do is to offer a different way of looking at Taiwan's history. Uh, so through um, we have a lot of the books on, on Taiwan these days. And one of our challenges is how do you bring us up a different angle? So the angle here is through the lens of small parties, but also through the lens of um, social movements and civil society. Because I think when we study uh, green parties, often it's very difficult to, um, to draw a clear distinction between the political party and the social movements that the party is linked to, uh, be they uh, gender or uh, environmental uh, movements. So I think it's another way we can think about Taiwan's uh, civil society. Um, to a certain extent, the Green Party is established uh, by civil society groups, um, and partly as a result of distrust of the DPP. So the DPP 
when it's established, it has very close ties with the anti-nuclear movement and the environmental groups. But by the mid-1990s, a lot of those activists are starting to become um, suspicious of the DUP. They they don't see it as being so sincere on a lot of social um, uh, issues. So um, often what we see is a tension between civil society uh, and the democratic progressive uh, party. There's an attempt to, there's almost like a love-hate relationship between the um, uh, the two. This is another way we can look at that. Um, and a constant challenge for the Green Party has been, what should be the relationship with the DVP? Should we work with them or should we be entirely uh, autonomous? And this is often the, uh, the root of a lot of the arguments um, uh, within the party, because sometimes the DVP is quite progressive and sometimes it will sacrifice some of these um, uh, these social uh, issues. So again, that is another thing that crops up uh, quite a lot uh, in the um, uh, in the research. Well, thank you for that. Um, how can people find out more about your book? Um, the book is um, is available on on Amazon.com, um, on Routledge, um, which is the the publisher, um, and the book is uh, initially published in quite expensive hardback, mm-hmm. uh, as well as slightly more reasonably priced uh, ebook. So one of the things I really encourage people to do is to um, encourage your local library or your university library uh, to order the, uh, the ebook, and that way more people can get access to the book before the um, the paperback comes out, which should be um, uh, next um, uh, next year. Oh, um, wow. And of course, and I'm still not sure how long it's going to take right. to get the Chinese version out. Because the Chinese version is going to be a little bit different. It's not mm-hmm. going to be a pure translation. Is there going to be additional or different research or how is it going to be different? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be different because it's more of a co-authored uh, book. So I'm okay. working together with three um, uh, Taiwanese scholars who were formerly leaders of the party. Oh, wow. Um, and so... Um, We've got uh, Pong Yewen, who worked with me at the, uh, at the start of the project, who was involved at the, in the first decade of the party's history. Uh, we've got um, um, a figure from the um, roughly 2016 to 2018 period, and then from the most recent uh, election. Uh, so we're kind of gradually working through the, the chapters, but uh, in each case, we're bringing in their perspectives uh, as, uh, as, as well as mine, which is... A little bit complicated, but I think it's really enjoyable because I've never actually um, published a book in Chinese in Taiwan. Um, I should have, but somehow I've never got round to it. Um, so it's, I guess that's the thing that I'm most excited about um, for uh, 2020. What will it look like? And yeah. um, again, how do we deal with different um, uh, opinions? It's, yeah. it's, it's one of those challenges of co, uh, co-authoring. That's interesting. So then maybe will there be an English translation of that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is a, a good idea. I mean, one of the things I, um, I touch upon in the final paragraph of the book is, um, will I do a second edition um, after 10 years after this one uh, um, uh, came out? I think it would be really interesting, but it really depends on how the Green Party performs. Yeah. Uh, because I think if the Green Party doesn't get into Parliament uh, a couple more times, then... Uh, I think people would kind of would kind of raise question marks about the um, the value 
um, uh, of the book. So that's the um, um, uh, the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a, it's a great um, uh, topic, and I've really enjoyed trying to promote this book. So I've right. just um, um, finished a, a kind of like a world online tour, and now I'm starting to plan my autumn um, uh, tour, and I'm kind of quite excited about actually doing in-person events. Yeah, uh, um, which I'm hoping to start in um, uh, in September or October because I'm so kind of um, uh, used to doing online teaching and online uh-huh. uh, events, yeah. and uh, will make a nice change. Yeah, definitely. If people want to find out more about you or your books, uh, do you have a website or social media handles? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a Twitter, I've got a, um, um, a uh, Facebook fan page for the book, Taiwan's Green Parties. Um, uh, so and I tend to kind of post quite a lot on there, and I'm going to continue doing uh, online and in-person events um, um, in, the, um, uh, in the autumn, hopefully eventually getting back to the U.S., because it's a long time since I've been um, uh, in the U.S. I did have two uh, U.S. trips cancelled in in 2020 and a lot of um um but in a way that was actually quite good because not traveling meant i actually had the time to focus and finish off the um uh the book which oh, okay. uh, i mean it took me uh, if, I, if you think i started the project in late 2012 uh-huh. but i only finished writing the book in uh, basically about this time uh, last year so wow. you can see how long it takes to actually yeah. put together a a, a book mm-hmm. Great. Okay, so we'll be sure to share all those things on our um, website for this episode. Uh, I want to thank you very much for taking time of your schedule to talk about your book, uh, Taiwan's Green Parties. Fantastic. Thanks. It's been a, a pleasure to talk about this um, uh, really interesting and uh, alternative project. Yes, definitely. Thank you. You've been listening to my interview with Dr. David Feld about his book, Taiwan's Green Parties. Dr. Feld is also the director of the SOAS Center of Taiwan Studies at the University of London. And we'll have him back on the next episode of Talking Taiwan to talk about the center's programs, course offerings, year-round events, and Taiwan studies in general. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, Talking Taiwan. There we'll list any related links. Talking Taiwan publishes new episodes weekly, and it's thanks to the support of listeners like you that our work is made possible. You can help us grow and to continue producing engaging content by making a contribution on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Talking Taiwan. Supporters can snag a Talking Taiwan tote bag, be invited to a quarterly AMA or Ask Me Anything session with me, Felicia Lin, the host of Talking Taiwan, or receive advanced notification of future guests. Support Talking Taiwan by telling a friend about us and don't miss an episode of Talking Taiwan by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.